Good morning. This is Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Suppliers podcast. I'm joined today by Shannon Nelson of Firetrace International. Firetrace International has been a PMPA member since 2004, and Trevor Reap from Reap Fire Protection Incorporated. Welcome, Shannon. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you so much, Miles. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, I'm really glad to get to speak with you on on this uh, topic today. As we all know, supply chains have been in the headlines. Boy, it seems like forever, right? Supply chain problems, supply chain problems. They're blaming recession on the supply chain problems, and yet nobody knows that the leading cause of supply chain disruption for the last four years has been factory fires. In fact, in 2022, there were over 3,609 factory fires, up 194%, up from 1946, the year before, an 85% increase. So I think it's pretty important we talk to the folks at Firetrace about how to prevent being part of that supply chain risk. Absolutely, Miles, and, and you are exactly correct uh, as far as supply chain chokeholds and, and, and things being much more difficult. Um, Fire Trace specifically, we would be, if, if you could, an intermediary to your engineered system. So in a building, um, you, you have to have a, a sprinkler system. Fire Trace um, is an optional insurance protection, if you will. Um, in speaking specifically to manufacturing, we are a micro environment fire suppression system, uh, versatile enough to be put on a, a CNC, EDM, or dust collector. So prior to a building catching fire, we would like to stop that fire in the CNC machine um, by suppressing that fire. So that way your engineered system being that of the sprinklers never goes off. And so that way it saves your building, uh, which oftentimes also uh, reduces the cost of your insurance premium. Because in the fire industry, we're not a required system. We are added protection. Well, I, I totally understand that. And when we talk about the different kinds of fires, um, obviously the sprinkler system is great for type A fires. And that's great if your buildings would, but uh, I don't think I want to be dumping water on an ongoing machine fire with uh, metalworking fluids. So your, your system really is about intelligently managing risk. And you use the phrase microenvironment system. We're talking about high value equipment in our machining uh, shops here. A couple th hundred thousand dollar machine, typical application, right? Yes. Yes. Up to a million. Well, I... I was getting to the shop and the shop's probably got a couple million dollars worth of equipment and, and real property, right? Absolutely. And the entire business is probably tens of millions of potentially lost investment, future earnings and jobs supporting, you know, 20 or 30 or more families. So it just makes sense to control that risk as soon as possible and where it happens, not the entire zip code, right? Yes, and, and your point about classifiers, we protect 
a class B is in boy fire. So that's going to be the oil in the machine. Should they be running coolant? Um, we wouldn't protect that because the, the fire risk is much less. But exactly to your point is we are looking to protect that machine prior to it, it catching fire or those sprinklers turning on and then damaging everything or at least that particular machine where the water is over. Yes, we're, we're looking to protect to protect that machine. Right. So you said Class B, and, and I agree with that. And, and Trevor, maybe we'll let you uh, explain the, the taxonomy of fires A, B, C, and D. But uh, some of our shops are making very, very important components out of metals, which if the chip is thin enough, even though the metal itself may not be flammable, I'm thinking of zir zirconium, for instance, high temperature alloy. But if we get that chip thin enough, it can burn. Same with magnesium. Well, Miles, I just I want to add to that conversation is we protect those type of fires all day long, titanium, zirconium, magnesium. But where we protect it is specifically with that oil. So we hope to catch that fire before it hits the chips. Once it hits the chips, it does need a class D solution. But we I have that phone call every single week, sometimes every single day. And we understand where we can put out that fire and suppress that fire. And that's when it's the oil specifically, but we, we can protect that manufacturing option, just not once it gets to the chips. Well, I'm not surprised you're getting a call every day if there's 3,609 factory fires <laughs> in a year, your, your phone should be ringing off the hook. I'm actually calling in from the truck right now because uh, we responded to one this morning, a machine that was cutting titanium and uh, had a flare up last night. And uh, the fire tree system worked as designed perfectly. And, and I'll, I'll add one to that. You know, we've seen it, for example, where some of the shavings would catch or create a little ember uh, in the fire trace system, but the, uh, but the agent that's being used um, acts as a super clean. So it actually brings that, that internal temperature down below to where that titanium doesn't um, self-ignite. That's great to hear. And uh, I mean, we're seeing more. It, it used to be we had free machining materials in our industry. And now we're seeing more and more challenging materials, titanium, zirconium for medical, uh, magnesium for very interesting applications. So we talked about how fire trace is like insurance, additional insurance added on to your engineered uh, fire solution in your building. I'd like to reframe that discussion just a little bit because I think a lot of our listeners might think, oh, fire trace is selling me a device. I I'm buying a device. And I think that what they're buying is a system. And the system, and this is where I, I go off the farm a little bit. The system really is a system for preventing unwanted and unauthorized chemical reactions. And where I'm going with this is fire is the result. It's not the cause. Fire is a recognizable product of an out of control process. So when that process goes out of control, when that titanium ignites, when that tool breaks and causes excess heat, and all of a sudden we have a temperature excursion, then your system takes over and your system has a process. 
So Trevor, let's talk about the first step in that system. And that's to detect that I've got an out of control chemical reaction that's going to result in superheat, possibly fire, flames, possibly just real high temperatures. So, so let's talk about the first step. How do we detect flames? How do we detect heat? Or do we detect both? Well, we are detecting both. The fire trace detection tubing will we specifically design it um, on our installations to place it in areas where we know we experience fires being directed to more often than others. Uh, and that's usually by means of a missile collector. So we turn our installation to place the fire detection tube uh, in those critical areas for a quick response for a quick so that the system performs well. Uh, but as soon as the flame kind of makes contact with that fire detection tubing, we have release of the nitrogen, which opens up the piston on the fire fire cylinder. So the uh, the first step was detect, and you do that with your uh, tubing, and the install uh, based on your your uh, learning on where where these temperature events happen, and then the next step is to activate. So let's explain to our listeners how that is because. Uh, I'm sure our listeners don't want to don't want to have to go through Wi-Fi. They don't want to trust electronics from Lord knows where. So why don't you uh, explain how simple physics makes your activation uh, a, a slam dunk? That's actually a really great benefit of this fire trick system is that we don't require any sort of electronics or electrical tie-in, although that is a uh, necessary component for the shutdown of the machine if we do have a thermal event. But what we uh, take pride in is knowing that whether the machine on or off, um, technician there or not, um, our system will detect that fire uh, pneumatically and uh, get the fire out very effectively quickly. So we've... Uh... We've detected this out-of-control condition. We've activated as a fundamental response to the temperature causing this tubing to breach and, uh, and, and trigger your equipment. And then it delivers a chemical agent. And uh, I know you use the term chemical agents. Uh, you didn't say suppressant. You didn't say, you know, dump a, dump a gallon of water on it or trichloroethylene or tetrachloride or carbon tet that used to be on the fire extinguisher on the school bus I rode back when everything on TV was black and white and one of three networks. So um, the chemical agents, uh, I remember being taught the fire triangle and I can either steal the fuel, I can suffocate the oxygen or I can steal the heat. So in your systems, these chemical agents, are they stealing the heat or are they suffocating and removing the oxygen or what's going on here? Um, so the agent that we have a couple different agents that we use, but in this particular application, um, we're using one of two. We use the HFC-227 or um, commonly known as the FM-200. 
Um, we also use Novex Fault Security. They don't know, Shannon, if we want to go into the Novex Security or not. So, uh, why wouldn't, why don't you explain the different classes of fires now, uh, Trevor, so we can understand why we would choose one of these these different uh, chemical agents? Okay, so yeah, we have um, multiple classes of fires. We have class A fires. Uh, these are fires in all uh, some materials like paper, wood. Uh, you can see that commonly in office workspace. Uh, the one that we're talking about right now are class B fires. That involves liquids like oils, petrols, or diesel. We have class C fires, which are propane, butane, and methane, and get into the Sorry. Yeah, I think Class C fires are electrical fires, and if I'm not mistaken, some of your equipment is used on real high, high current, high risk, high uh, latency electric electrical installations. I know I'd want it. You're right. Class A's are for wood paper and cloth, trash, ordinary materials. Class B's are for the gasoline, the oil based. Uh, solvents, uh, and then Class C is, uh, you're correct, are the electrical equipment. Um, that's where we find our use for that Novex 1230. Uh, Class B's are your magnesium, your, your titanium, your potassium, that kind of stuff. And then your Class K's are uh, uh, kitchen, restaurant, vegetable uh, oils, animal foods, that, of that nature. So I'm, I'm thinking that these different classes of fires would all require a different a different way to deliver this chemical agent. So I I think the systems I'm familiar with on on the CNCs I've seen um, in in our member shops have been an indirect release system. Could you explain what that is and how that works? Yeah. So we have two different options. We have a direct system. We have an indirect. System. The indirect system. Uh, works by means of the detection system, uh, which is not the primary way of going to the kitchen. Uh, the, uh, what happens with that system in particular is we have a pre-charged uh, detection tubing that reacts to the fire, releases the nitrogen or the top of the piston in the valve body, and deploys the agent in uh, the cylinder by means of a discharge port. I mean, uh, that could be a hose or piping um, through a series of nozzles. Um, also, have a direct application where tubing would be the primary location for both deployment and so the indirect the tubing the tubing creates a pressure drop. It activates the valve, and the valve sends sends in all the troops from a from a, from nozzle or nozzles about the machine. Uh, the direct one, it's actually coming out of the breach in the tubing. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. On your website, I noticed you actually have a third kind of system called high-pressure CO2. And I'm thinking, high-pressure CO2, I'm going to make dry ice. Maybe that steals heat. So I know it could suffocate the uh, fire. Tell us about high-pressure CO2. And do you find that often in our shops? Um, we do, we do use 
use the high pressure CO2 uh, for specific applications. Uh, we don't typically use it for the CNC application. Um, however, we do use it for the EDM. Okay, for EDMs, I, that makes perfect sense. Do, do any of your uh, installations actually, do our members, uh, your customers, do they ask for them in where they're real high, high importance, high confidential data is stored in servers, or is that a different kind of system? For server, are you talking about for server racks, like data centers? Yes, yes. Yeah, so we get that request often, and that usually goes alongside with their request to either deter or remove the virus spread. The common <laughs> thing that they ask for, but we can't remove fire sprinklers from a uh, server room. It's required to have that in there. That meets their, their base minimum. But we'll use a different uh, agent altogether. Um, CO2 can be a, an agent of choice there. But Novec Yes, it's, it's frowned upon to suffocate our top employees in, in the IT department. <laughs> Might not be the best thing. Uh, I, I imagine there's some regulatory consequences to that. So uh, our shops are critical supply chain. Um, we were recognized by the federal government's Department of Homeland Security as critical infrastructure manufacturers during the pandemic. Our shops were open to keep the essential medical, military, and utility infrastructure goods flowing. And your fire trace solution played a pretty big part in that, in that your installs are pretty, pretty widespread across the country. How widely uh, are your systems distributed in our uh, precision machining industry? We, are, uh, we have a global presence. Um, across the United States, statistically, we put out about 70 fires a week, but we are, in fact, um, a global company as far as having a footprint. So that's like 3,500 fires put out in a year. That actually goes pretty well with that first figure I said that there were 3,509 factory fires that actually did catch. Um, what do you think? You got... 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 units out there? 15,000 plus, yes. 15,000. So I don't think, so we, in, in business school, they tried to get us to think about diminishing returns. And while you might like if we put that unit on every machine in our shop, the fact of the matter is that the most bang for the buck will be if I put it on those machines that are most lightly attended or most likely to not have somebody around if something goes south, is that right? Yes, Miles. Um, it lights out, lightly attended, uh, increase the capability um, to run automated. Mm -hmm. 
With that said, we have countless hours of testimonial and video that shows a machinist turn their back to use the restroom to go to lunch. We have one where a business owner's on the phone with a customer. He turns his back for what looks like seconds and the machine goes up. Um, so they can happen at any time, but absolutely it aids you in running lights out, lightly attended and automated. Absolutely. I, I try really hard not to use the, that lights out term on, on my uh, podcast because um, the people lights out really means that's what happens after the fire and they close the business. It's slightly attended. If you're running lights out, I, I think that's a long term. That's 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 a bad decision. But lightly attended uh, makes perfect sense and really does help intelligently manage the risk. Uh, so, what are some of the triggering events for those fires? I mean, you can't say. Well, the owner turned his back, and so it happened. I mean, what are the things that are causing these uncontrolled chemical reactions in my, in my speak? Most often, it's a tool break, um, maximizing these machines, um, overrunning them. Uh, oftentimes, it can be an operator error. Uh, that's what we see mostly. And, and more often than not, it's that machine tool break that sparks, um, and that's your heat source. And then the oil goes up. And and ignition. Yeah, absolutely. So how has FireTrace's 19 years of PMPA membership helped FireTrace? What are the lessons you've learned about effective associating with us at PMPA? That's a great question. Um, and I was lucky enough to attend the meeting um, last year uh, and sitting around and, and speaking with everybody, learning what the pain points are, hearing the testimonials, um, also hearing what's working and what's not. All that feedback that I receive, I take it back to FireTrace. Uh, we take it in-house with the engineering. So we take all that feedback very seriously um, to understand what's happening across the United States. And every sales rep um, is expected to be involved in their local chapters. So for me, it's networking, understand what's going on, what are current trends, not just with FireTrace alone, but what's going on in the world of manufacturing um, in our said territories is largely beneficial. You know, listening is a very important part of communication. And I'm so glad to hear you talk about listening to the voice and the experience of, uh, of our shops and taking that back to the people that are continuously improving your products and processes. So who is the lead contact? I know you've got sales territories and, and representatives and such, but who's the expert at FireTrace for the precision machining industry applications? Goodness, we have a few. Are we speaking to engineering specific, to, to my boss? I think so. I, I think engineering. You know, someone comes in and by the way, they're, they're using a, a non-polar, I don't know, some kind of fluid and, and a, a crazy material. And by the way, the ceramic tool is made out of flint. <laughs> you know, I mean, just <laughs> make, make a spark at high rev. So, so uh, if they wanted to get into the engineering details, who would be, who would be the, the fire trace authority on that? 
our engineering group works as a team. So the, the beautiful thing that we have set up is an engineer of the day. And we did that intentionally to make sure that questions are answered in a timely manner and that one of our engineers takes ownership of that particular day. But we have a dedicated email address that goes out to all of the engineers to include that engineer of the day. Um, and that's generally how questions are addressed. Our end users are able to call, our distributors are able to call if they need immediate support. So it's a team effort as far as the engineers are concerned. Thanks for sharing that with me, Shannon. Uh, listeners, engineer of the day sounds like, you know, I get the I get the good park in place today. <laughs> it sounds like the award, you know, hey, so-and-so solved, solved this unsolvable problem. But what a great practice to assure that there's ownership, to ensure that the knowledge is distributed among everybody, and to be sure that there is somebody accountable on a particular day for a technical answer. That's, that's just really a best practice. And uh, while I'd still hold out for the dedicated parking place for engineer of the day, <laughs> I, I think that's really a great process. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about, and I think our listeners would find fascinating, is where the heck else you put these systems. We know they go in our CNC machines. We know that when they go off, they can stop the uh, mist uh, evacuation so we don't pull the fire into the, into the rest of our plant. But what are some of the other high-risk, uh, high-investment applications where these systems can be found in the rest of the, the world besides manufacturing? Sure. We can be found in wind turbines, ground support equipment, be that at an airport or at the ports, um, data service centers, um, which we discussed, and that's far and wide, um, MCC cabinets, and then also the manufacturing segment. Very good. I, if I was uh, in a tank in the Ukraine, I'd probably ask for one of your systems in there too. And you know what, Miles, you bring up a good point. I did forget that. We also serve um, a special project with the military. Yeah, I, I, I'd bet my dollars to donuts on that one. Yes. <laughs> Let's <laughs> talk about intelligent management of risk. Last question. Our shops are held to various quality system certifications, and that ensures or assures our customers we have processes, policies, procedures, and effective management systems so that they can wisely choose to select our products. How about Firetrace? What are, how are the Firetrace products certified? What, what kind of agencies are out there saying this is, this is something you can rely on? to protect your, your millions of dollars of investment? Yes, great question. UL and FM are big in the fire world. Um, also, what we're seeing more and more is that insurance companies are asking for machine shops to have fire suppression in place. Again, not required, but it's an extra arm of insurance, if you will, that not only protects the machine, but protects the shop from additional uh, assets catching fire. Yeah, this is a podcast and it's it's hard, but I think it, it is an additional assurance, <laughs> uh, which makes it possible for the insurance 
to uh, more cost-effectively ensure that um, we're doing things right. So those are those are all important uh, aspects of, of this protection. Uh, is there anything that we missed, Shannon or Trevor, that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? I would, as far as new product development is concerned, and I and I do get this question rather frequently. We do have a new pressure, a new dual pressure switch uh, capability, which. The reason why we came up with this is oftentimes people ask, I, w- I want my machine to automatically shut down if a fire is detected. We're going to stop feeding oxygen. We're going to stop feeding the oil, which is going to help suppress that fire. We came up with a new pressure switch box that allows a bypass option, which increases that uptime, decreases downtime. Once they switch that bypass, they can get the machine back up and running while they wait for one of our distributors to show up, recharge that cylinder, and get them up and running. So that's brand new. We're very excited about it. And then... Well, that was more than the engineer of the day, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Day team. Engineering <laughs> team of the... Good job, yes. team. And then we have a... Uh, we will be, have a booth at PMTS in April and we will have a brand new product to show there. So we are very excited um, to be at PMTS this year and and showcase that product. Can't wait to see in Cleveland. PMTS is an awesome venue. You're gonna meet the best doggone machinists in in the country at PMTS, and they're gonna be happy to to check out your new products. Shannon? And uh, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, That wraps up our podcast with Shannon and Trevor at Firetrace. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Miles. Bye, Bye. Shannon. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you.